0: My name's Neil. Uh, I'm excited to get to share with you all today uh, some of the things that I've been thinking about through this uh, Love Over Fear series. Um, We are in week four of this series. Uh, In this series we're discussing our place and posture as the people of God in a world that is becoming more polarized and driven by fear. We're also trying to do a couple things. We're trying to provide a healthy balance of the idea or theoretical information, as well as some practical and experiential actions uh, in order to give you some strategies to kind of move forward with as uh, as we go along. In week one, Jeff introduced a series. He gave us a good foundation explaining the idea around uh, banners, uh, telling us a little bit about scrubs and, um, and how the way of Jesus defies the us versus them, uh, enemy making machine. In week two, Philip jumped right in and he began giving us some practical advice about what can happen when we disagree with someone and that agreeing with someone is not a prerequisite for loving them well. In week three, uh, Jeff continued the same theme, uh, explaining how unity is not uniformity, helping us understand that while not all points are valid, all people are valuable. And then reminding us of some practical steps to help us as we talk about difficult topics. This week, I want to press rewind and take us back to before difficult conversations begin. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, I have a job outside of Awaken. I'm a school security assistant. And for this job as part of our training, we're taught to do a self-evaluation or self-assessment before we go to a complicated situation or interaction with a student or an adult in the building. Uh, We're encouraged to ask ourselves questions about our own uh, emotional state, mental state, and also our physical state just in case necessary to be able to gauge if we're in a healthy enough mindset uh, to be able to do our job, or even if we're the right person to be involved at the moment. That process has taught me a great deal about myself and has influenced many of my interactions with people both in my school and outside. Uh, It has influenced those interactions whether I agree with those people or not. And so I feel that this is a vital step before beginning to work around any difficult conversation. And so I want to try and introduce uh, some healthy exercises that you may be able to use. First is a question that I think we need to explore. Uh, First is, where is my security? At Awaken, we often talk about people being made in God's image. And that is very important in how we approach others in a polarized world, but it's just as vital to remember when we deal with ourselves. Before we begin to inject ourselves into the world, we should ask this question at the foundation. Do I truly believe the Lord loves me and will care for me? Many of the things that cause us to choose division and separation from others is a fear of loss. But that fear of loss ignores not only the biblical history of God providing for his people, but also Jesus own words uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew six, when he says uh, in Matthew six twenty-five, says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he continues down in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. S- sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If we can begin to find our security and value, in the Lord, we're going to be able to set down the things we fear will lose. And while we may still have those things, being able to set them aside allows us space to elevate the needs and the value of others. And in the long run, it helps us to serve them better. Second, uh, is a, a thought exercise. Uh, I want to call this one Move Toward Your Discomfort. So we know, we all know, there are conversations you'll have or events you'll witness that will be challenging for one reason or another. Those challenges will cause discomfort, they'll often trigger a deep need to protect, ourselves and the people and the things that we love. That is a an activation of your fight or flight response, the need to protect by either attacking or running away from uh, one of these events that cause you distress. Now that fight or flight response is necessary many times in our lives the ability to make quick judgments about the safety of a situation very important will always be relevant the issue comes when fear has us apply those instincts not to situations of imminent danger but instead to those situations of potential dialogue when we give in to the fears we will gather under our banners try to discredit or disrupt anyone not in our camp, often sacrificing relationships in these conflicts. So before responding to that online thread or engaging in that conversation, that personal conversation that you're dreading, you need to take a minute to assess your own ability to have a difficult conversation. So one of the things I, I practice are these four steps and you can use them or you can use something else, but I just want to give you something practical that I try and go through. Uh, I'm not always perfect with it. Uh, first, step one, you need to acknowledge your response. It's important to realize and actively think about this situation is causing me to react with fear. Second, you need to find the source. So once you've acknowledged that you're reacting with fear, you need to break down and ask what about this situation is causing that reaction. Third, you need to question the motive. So two questions here, what part of me am I trying to protect through my reaction or what part of my self worth am I feeding through my reaction? And as we know, uh, if we're finding our value and our, our, uh, security in the Lord, there will still be times where we're, feeding our egos or, or trying to find our value in other places. And so that's what that question is. What part of my self-worth am I feeding through my reaction? And fourth, you need to respond in authenticity. You need to ask the questions, can I bring light and love to this situation and how? If the answer to can I bring light and love to this situation is a no, you know what your response should be. So whether you use these exact steps or another process, taking that step back to reflect is a healthy way to give yourself time before you respond, to think of the right thing to say, To remember how you care for people, to remember that you're talking to an actual person, but it will give you the time to bring life into those tough situations. lastly, I think we need to explore, before engaging in these conversations, we need to explore the question, does my life reflect God's love for the least? There are many places in the Bible where the people of God are instructed to care for those unable to care for themselves. But for what we're talking about today, I want to look at just one that has been sitting with me for, for a while. It's in the Old Testament book of Amos. Uh, And let me give you a little bit of uh, history. The Old Testament book of Amos is a collection of messages that the prophet Amos spoke to the people of Israel. During Amos' time, the people of Israel were divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom under its king was growing in territory and wealth um, and power in the region. But at the same time, they were also allowing the worship of idols and injustice over the poor and weak. So God gave Amos a word for the kingdom of Israel to both condemn their misdeeds and also warn them of the eventual capture of their kingdom. There are nine chapters in the book, um, but right in the middle is a passage that has stuck with me. Uh, it's Amos 5:21 through24. It says, "I hate. I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them and the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And those were God's words through Amos, to the people of Israel. And so for the people of Israel, the feasts and sacrifices that God was talking about, they aren't just religious tradition, but they're the way that they worshiped, related, and communicated with God. And so this is God saying through Amos that without a heart for justice and righteousness, your worship is a performance for yourself, not an act of love for God. I say this because the organized American church of the past few centuries shares more in common with the nation of Israel and Amos than with the church we see in Acts. We often like to put ourselves in the in the underdog shoes, think of ourselves as the Israelites escaping Egypt, or the uh, or David and David and Goliath, and kind of put that around us but the American church for the past few centuries has seen significant cultural influence, great wealth and expanding territories. And those things aren't inherently bad if God is the center and the true leader of those things. But can we honestly say that both historically and individually, that God is always center, and all of our actions serve righteousness, justice, and love for our neighbor. I can't answer that with a yes personally. We obviously can't answer that with a yes historically. What I can say is that the grace and mercy of God allows us the opportunity to improve each day but we have to be looking for the opportunities. If we refuse to look and bury our heads in our hymn books, as Philip was talking, taking that, taking one side where we just stop looking, God will not look upon our worship. On the other side, if we follow justice and righteousness with so much zeal that we abandon the love for our neighbors, then we are, as 1 Corinthians uh, says, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So we need to look for ways to show love and care for the weak and poor in our communities, not to save them, but to serve them. And those ways are out there whether it's joining national movements or helping with soup kitchens or really just making sure that the people in your neighborhood have the things that they need to live those opportunities are out there so hopefully i've given some practical steps and some things to process but I also wanna give a a few discussion questions for you when you go to your missional communities. Question one, if I were to self-assess, would I be in a mental and emotional state that would allow me to healthily engage in difficult conversations? Why or why not? Question two, in what ways are my longings for comfort keeping me from living into the fullness of God and the fullness of community? Question three, what steps will I take to recognize and serve the poor and weak in order to bring righteousness, justice, and love to my community. Once again, thank you for uh, joining. I hope you're um, really developing through these resources and I'm excited to get to see some of you in person as we move forward. Uh, keep meeting with your missional communities, Keep. Uh, pouring into and loving on each other and uh, God bless.